0: I'm Aaron Lightstone from the band Jaffa Road, and you're listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. CIUT 89.5, the sound of your city.
1: Welcome to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Jesse McDougal. Today we are in the Map Room studio at Hart House CIUT. We are speaking with Olivia. She's a U of T student in a master's program and we're talking about Indigenous folks in Canada. Olivia, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. I love that you play lacrosse. You came in here with your lacrosse jacket um, with the Varsity Blues. Tell us, you had a game last weekend, right?
2: This was the final OUA tournament. We didn't do as well as we thought we did, but we did win our last game. And it was beautiful weather the entire weekend. It was just so much fun.
1: Very nice. I think you have one of the most interesting positions on the field. You're the goalie. I am. And that's got to be intimidating. Intimidating. Yeah. You're getting balls whipped at you. you got to dress up in a lot of padding. What, is it, what does that look like?
2: Not as much as you would think. We really? wear, Well, we wear a chest protector, and we wear um, padded shorts and gloves okay. and a helmet. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Actually, my sister is also a goalie. She's two years younger than me, plays for Western. And for the first time ever, we played against each other, which was really funny, actually. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we did. In that game? Not in that tournament. We didn't end up uh, matching against them, but we played against each other in the regular season. Interesting. Yeah, so my parents had to kind of pick and choose who they were (laughs) cheering for at a time.
1: (laughs) That's funny. I can imagine that as a goalie, you have a lot of responsibility. So your players, your teammates, rather, must, there must be a bond there, you know?
2: Yeah, well, as a goalie, you're kind of taught from a young age that you're the quarterback of the field. You Hmm. see everything that the defense doesn't. So a lot of my job involves yelling (laughs) and telling my defense where to go because sometimes they're seeing or I'm seeing things that they're not.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Very interesting. And can you tell us, as you mentioned, just as we were walking in here, where does this game originate? Because it's an indigenous game.
2: Yeah, this is an indigenous game. Um, There's different variations of it across North America, but it is a Haudenosaunee game. Um, And the Haudenosaunee Confederacy is made up by six nations that my family is actually a part of one of those six nations, which is the Mohawk. Mm -hmm. Um, But they sort of originate from what is now southern to central Ontario, going into Quebec a little bit Mm -hmm. and upstate New York.
1: I believe also that. Canada has two official sports, one of them being hockey, of course, uh, as we're known for, but also lacrosse is the official, I guess, the co-official sport of Canada. Nobody
2: actually knows that either. So congratulations for that.
1: Yeah. Olivia, you study public health at U of T, but you have a specialization. Tell us about that.
2: I do. So I am getting my master's in public health. I'm in my second year, and that specialization that I have is in indigenous health. Mm -hmm. Um, So essentially what Public health is first in a broader sense, I guess, the prevention of disease, the promoting longevity of life, and health promotion in general at different levels of society, whether that be at the institutional level, public-private organizations, Mm -hmm. down to community, down to individuals. Um, Indigenous health, by contrast, as sort of a part of that umbrella, is looking specifically with Indigenous communities and Indigenous nations and looking at different social determinants of health affect them. Um, So right now, I'm actually a research assistant under one of my professors. Her name is Dr. Suzanne Stewart. She is an academic. uh, She has her doctorate. She's from Yellowknife, Mm. um, the Dene First Nation. And we work on a bunch of different projects surrounding the climate crisis and indigenous ways of knowing in that sense, and also missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. We're doing a campaign on that, and we just finished a study looking at um, mental health and the effects of homelessness and Indigenous peoples who are homeless in sort of the urban centre of Ontario. So this was a part of a larger study that just looked at homelessness and mental health and COVID-19, and those intersections, and we dealt with the Indigenous data set from that.
1: That's wonderful. We're going to talk more about all the research and the different issues going on for Indigenous folks in Ontario and around Canada. But first, I want to ask you just to get into the span of Indigenous folks that are in Canada, from Yellowknife, as you said, all the way down to eastern Canada. Is there anywhere you'd want to travel to uh, see some of these places?
2: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Growing up, I went to Tandenega a lot because that's where my grandmother is from. We would always visit her on the reserve. Hmm. Um, I would love to go back there and work there someday because I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful area. Um, I have a connection there, and I am also reconnecting with a lot of things there, which is super cool. Mm. I would love to go and travel up north. Um, I would love to go to Yellowknife. I would also just love to travel and live and work up in northern Ontario. It's just cool to think that there are so many Indigenous nations in Canada, and they all have different aspects of culture, in themselves and different protocols. And there's really not one pan-indigenous nation. There's hundreds and hundreds of them, and they all Mm -hmm. have their different ways.
1: Yeah. I actually am taking a course in Russian politics, and we were talking about, obviously, Russia is immense. And there's actually um, regions far away from Moscow that take uh, take initiative from Canadian Indigenous folks. They say, you know, there's Nunavut. They have their own, you know, um, territory up there. We should look towards Canada. So I think it's cool that Indigenous people all over the world are um, taking Canada as an example. So, Olivia, we are going to play some Indigenous music here on Tracks from Abroad. We're going to be back with you to talk more about your area of study, and we'll see where the conversation goes. But you are listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT. We'll be back in just a sec.
3: My
4: own Setere, put ve put your here, I alone. De setere, Jotor ne diya, achahi diya kushima magal Jotor ne diya, achahi diya Jisram ko thaluku roh rupa
1: To your messages, press 1. To change your greeting, press 3. Hi, my name is uh, Ashmaz Ramzi. I appeared on one of Tracks from Abroad's episodes regarding Egypt. You know, I took Jesse out to eat to some uh, Egyptian food, him and Zoe. And um, I find Tracks from Abroad very culturally enriching as well. You know, me personally as an international student, I love to witness perspectives from other international students from different backgrounds, different walks of life. So I think that's the beauty of living in a city like Toronto.
3: To replay this message, press 1.
2: Curated by the people for the people. CIUT 89.5 FM is the sound of your city. Show your support by donating online at ciut.fm. <laughs>
5: Number two at skimiri, this committee, that's Sasani at this committee, for de Chinese are tesmidi this this get this midi Tu valeu pedir de bom, tu valeu pedir tu valeu tu valeu pedir de bom, tu valeu pedir de tu 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 I'm going to the Tu chuvalo, 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 what do we Chu qua nước quê đi chúc mừng, chu qua nước quê đi chúc mừng, the qua
1: Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad. My name is Jesse McDougall. You are listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. Today we are doing an interview with Olivia. She's a U of T student and we're talking about Indigenous Canada, Indigenous music and all that sort of stuff. Olivia, you mentioned sometimes you go to your family's reserve where your grandmother lives. I want to know what that looks like. What is it? What does a reserve look like?
2: Without going too much into the creation of reserves and how they came to be, just talking about the reserve where my family is from, where my grandmother's from, that's Tindanega. So that's about 10 minutes, I would say, outside of Napanee. So it's moving east of us. Okay. Um, I visited there a lot when I was little because that's where my grandmother lived, grew up. Um, I grew up in Oshawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we grew up visiting my grandmother a lot. We would go to the powwows in the summer, there was always an annual one in August. When I go up there, it's to visit my family and to learn from them and to just be there and to be on the land I mm-hmm. think is the most important thing because part of cultural reconnection is reconnecting with the land and reconnecting with your family and where they're from um, because the land doesn't just signify the ground that you're on. It's everything. It's the people. It's the animals, the waterways, the grass, the sky, everything and everything in that place. So it's, really, it's a really cool feeling to be able to go there and um, to be with your family and to just be present
1: that's beautiful I also appreciate very much that you're trying to learn the Mohawk language how has that been that sounds tricky
2: it's a little tricky it's been a lot of fun um, so the Mohawk language is something that my grandmother wasn't able to learn um, she wasn't allowed to for very for a very long time and yeah, she wh- why was
1: that what she was not allowed to
2: um, it's something that was made illegal, and it's really? something that was really discouraged through the residential school system. Even people on the reserve didn't want to teach their children because right. they didn't want their children to be taken away. Wow. So my grandmother never learned it, and she never, she always only knew English. She tried to pick it up at an older age, but it, it was pretty hard for her. Sure. One, being a little older, trying to learn it, and two, not really having any people to speak to mm-hmm. because something that I've learned is that a hundred years ago, so in 1922, every single person's first language on Tainanaga was Mohawk, and now it's nobody's first language on Mm -hmm. the reserve. The people in our family who actually knew the Mohawk, who were trying trying their very best to teach us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, took this course out of Queens, and Queens University, and this course is a, it's a two-year certificate program, which is a partnership between the Cultural Center at Tainanega and Queen's University. It's taught by only people from Tainanega, and they encouraged us to apply. and We applied and we got in, and we've been in that program since the end of August. Um, I can introduce myself. I can say Sego wow. Olivia And that would translate to Hi, my name's Olivia. Um, I come from the Mohawk Nation, and I am turtle Clan.
1: And we're sort of coming on the heels of the Every Child Matters movement, which, is, which happened uh, upon the discovery of mass burials um, at these residential schools, and not to mention Reconciliation Day, which was made a, a holiday. Were you able to celebrate that? How did you celebrate that?
2: How did I celebrate that? Well, or is
1: celebrate the right word?
2: <laughs> um, I guess you could look at it in different ways. It is a day of mourning, but at the same time, it's important for people to recognize that it is important to celebrate Indigenous cultures as well. So it's kind of both a day of mourning and celebration. Mourning of those uh, children who never came back from those residential schools. Recognition of the survivors who came out of them and still continue to live today. And celebration of Indigenous cultures and that reconciliation and reclamation that we're currently doing and working on. Um, me, personally, I had lacrosse practice. <laughs> that, that
1: seems like a good way to, yeah. to celebrate.
2: But uh, my coaches are all super great, and they encouraged people to wear orange on that day. And then we ended practice early, and I ended up um, sort of talking to people about what the day really meant. And it was more of a Q&A conversation because these are all my friends. I know them very well. They can ask me anything, and I feel comfortable around them speaking. So. That's what started my day. <laughs> Thanks
1: for sharing that, Olivia. I was surprised when I walked past, just behind us, back campus field, there was a group of men uh, practicing for the Varsity Blues lacrosse, and they did a land acknowledgement before playing. I don't even think it was a game. I think it was practice. And I was surprised by that because in my mind, lacrosse is sort of a preppy sport. It's sort of a, a white people in Connecticut sport. I come from Vermont. And so <laughs> when I see this land acknowledgement, I see, man, that's that's really progress, I guess.
2: Um, Well, I could talk for so long about the history of lacrosse. It's so interesting. But you think of that preppy game, that's the colonized version of it. And I think that it's really awesome that people are starting to do land acknowledgements in the beginning of practices and games. And uh, the team, the women's team here is doing that as well. It's more so what you do after that and the steps that you take to learn and to educate your own self after that. And that's sort of what I encourage on my team. Mm -hmm. In the original game of lacrosse, Speaking as a Haudenosaunee women and from what I know, there weren't those strict boundaries that you see. The nets were different. Their fields could be anywhere from what you see today to miles and miles long. And those games could last for days. And it was played for a bunch of reasons, but it's called the medicine game. And a lot of the times it was played for somebody who was sick or unwell in community. Hmm. And originally, the game was meant to please the creator. So every time you step on that field, you're stepping onto a field and into a game that's bigger than yourself. And I think that when I started the cross, I started at a young age. That's not something I knew. I just played it because I loved the sport and that physical activity. But as I got older and as I started learning more about why we play and the origins of this game and what it actually means to be on that field, the more I grew to love it. And I think that's the reason why I've played it for so long
1: very nice well said olivia we're happy to have you here today on tracks from abroad we're talking about indigenous communities in canada playing some indigenous music which you're going to hear right now we're going to do a music break we'll be back in just a minute
2: This is Brittany. I was the student guest on season five's episode returning to Trinidad. I think TFA is such an amazing program to have on campus just because it allows for light to be shed on so many different cultures and communities that others might not be aware about. And it just showcases the beautifully diverse campus that we have and Toronto in and of itself. And that's just what I love about TFA in a very small nutshell.
4: I feel like I'm falling Crashing so hard
1: back to Tracks from Abroad. My name is Jesse McDougall. Today we are doing a show on Indigenous Canada. We've gone all over the world. We've done countries in South America, Central America, you know, Europe and, and Southeast Asia. Today we're coming back to Canada and we are talking with Olivia. She is a UFT student right across from me. Olivia, in the break we were talking about this tax exemption status. What does it mean? I believe it's codified in the Indian Act. What is it?
2: A lot of Indigenous Peoples Today, you will see have this Native status card or Band card. It's sort of how the government defines who is Native and who is not. They give you this card, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because it expires. It's kind of this running joke where, oh, it expired. I'm no longer Native. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Do you have to renew it? Yeah, you have to oh, renew it. Oh, I see. It. I see. But it's this whole process of getting it to and. If a native woman married a white man or a man who was non-indigenous, then they would be disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. So their status would be taken away. They are no longer native, which is what happened to my grandmother. Really? So she was no longer native when she married my very British grandfather. (laughs) Um, The opposite would happen if a non-native woman marrying a native man, then you would gain your status. Hmm. But with my grandmother, she married a white man. She was considered by the government no longer Native. She could no longer live on the reserve. Hmm. And then she ended up getting her status back, I believe, sometime in the 70s. That's when my mom got hers.
1: Now, some people might interpret this as it's very difficult to get. It sounds exclusive. There must be great benefits. But in reality, what does it actually get you?
2: Not as much as you would think. <laughs> Not as much as you would think. I think there's a whole bunch of misconceptions that, that Indigenous peoples get to go to school for free, that... They get all of their taxes exempt, that they have so many government benefits, when in reality, we're actually, we actually get a lot less than you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people who work at different stores, different retail stores, don't exactly know what it is. They often have to call managers to process the card. Um, there's a lot of forms you have to fill out when you go to some stores, mm-hmm. too which when I started working at, my first job was at Swiss LA. (laughs) I worked there with my cousin. That was one of the first things I asked was, how do you, when somebody comes in with a native status card, how do you fill that out? How do you go through that on the computer? And even the managers had to kind of pull out their book. It's not something that a lot of people know. And even then, a lot of people do it incorrectly because they don't know which taxes to take off.
1: I guess you might be in the position where at some times you're in a rush and it's just easier to forget it, you know?
2: Absolutely, yeah, which is what happens a lot. And then with me, I don't look indigenous to a lot of people. So a lot of them will not believe me when I hand them that card and they will kind of dismiss it at first. Then my brother walks into the store and they have no question at all.
1: Hmm. That's an interesting dichotomy, yeah. Olivia, thank you very much for coming on the show. We loved hearing about lacrosse and hearing about everything else. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was fun.
0: So I'm Trayson from the Human Rights and you're listening to Tracks from Abroad with my man Jesse yeah on CIUT 89.5 FM
1: Hello, Check Check 1-2. This is Jesse McDougall of the show Tracks from Abroad on CIUT. Today, everybody, we did something unusual. Normally on Tracks from Abroad, we're looking outside of our borders. We're looking to countries far away, listening to their music and inviting international students from the University of Toronto who know about these countries to tell us some stories about growing up and to share some music as well. However, Throughout the past 50 episodes, I've overlooked some incredible music that's right here at home, the Indigenous music that's being made here in Canada. Today we heard some incredible artists, and we also have to thank Olivia for coming on the show, for telling us about her studies in Indigenous health. Um, We heard interesting Indigenous artists, including Willie Thrasher, of course, uh, Buffy St. Marie. We have Vizin. That was suggested by our next interview guest. That's Jenny Blackbird. We'll get to that in a second. We heard Hallucination. And coming up after Jenny's interview, uh, you're going to hear one of my favorite songs on this show, which is Hip Hop Round Dance by The Constellations. All right, it is now time to get into our second interview of the show. This is Jenny Blackbird. She is a co-host of another show called Indigenous Waves on CIUT. Here is my interview with Jenny Blackbird right here on Tracks From Abroad. Today we welcome to Tracks From Abroad, Jenny Blackbird, another CIUT host. Her show is Indigenous Waves. Is that right? Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the show.
6: Thank you. Yes, we're Mondays from 7 to 8 p.m.
1: Amazing. All right, Mondays from 7 to 8. Now, again, I'm pretty new to CIUT, so I really enjoy meeting the new, or not the new host, but the old host, the hosts who have been here much longer than me, trying to learn a thing or two. Um, And today, you know, this show is all about music from around the world, and uh, there is a lot of music to be had from Indigenous Canadians. So, Mm -hmm. So is your show, it's more of a talk show, right? You get indigenous folks to come on, but you also play music too.
6: It's it's actually a mix. So there, there are some shows that are completely all music, and then some shows we actually have uh, either a call-in guest or a visitor. Mm-hmm. And we also do play music from all around the world. So it's not just indigenous folks too. What we call, many call Turtle Island, and uh, some people say it's so-called Canada. Because there's sure. many different nations within this landmass. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you're saying, so you would play native music from, let's say, Australia. Yep. Is that? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice.
6: Yeah. And we have had guests, uh, actually someone called in pre-pandemic. They called in from Australia oh, and man. it was really cool. They read a poem about their uh, stolen children generation. So they mm. have a, a parallel experience with their stolen children in boarding schools and then residential schools in Canada.
1: I see. Uh, I think this was maybe 2021, but there was a um, man from New Zealand who I think was part of Parliament, and he was was the catalyst for the change that people shouldn't have to wear neckties. Yeah, you've probably seen that, but that yeah. that was really fantastic. And um, so where I stand from is I've taken one course at UFT in political science with Dale Turner. Do you know Dale?
6: Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: So he's a UFT professor. Yes. And uh, how do you guys interact? How do you know? <laughs> we
6: we met each other before the pandemic. And then, of course, all we saw of each other was on Zoom right. during our um, Center for Indigenous Studies meetings because I used to work there. Mm-hmm. And now I'm currently working at First Nations House uh, Indigenous Student Services as our interim Indigenous Student Life Coordinator.
1: Now, Jenny, I want to ask you about your life growing up. Did you grow up here in Canada?
6: Oh, yeah. I grew up in Toronto, actually. Yeah. I'm a big city kid. My, my father's side of the family is from Cahoo and Cree Nation in Alberta. Okay. And my mother's side of the family is from Finland.
1: Very interesting. And you were were saying before we started that the education that you got about indigenous history was not really satisfactory when you were in school.
6: No, I I remember, I think it was grade seven or eight, and there was a chapter, and I was excited because I thought, oh, great, you know, there's going to have some indigenous content. Mm -hmm. And the chapter basically was like New France, and talked about Cartier, and talked about the explorers. And there was like a little paragraph about how the Indigenous people helped Cartier or was it Champlain mm-hmm. with, with scurvy because they had the remedies. I was really disappointed and I'm glad that a lot of schools and teachers are actually looking at a curriculum with Indigenous content written by Indigenous people. I think it's vital because people can't continue to have their histories and their stories written by others. Especially without being vetted, so that that's a big a big problem, and I'm hoping that that will continually change. And I think it's really important, especially at U of T or any university, that uh, the faculty and the uh, the profs are are Indigenous and they do have that either lived experience or they have knowledge from their communities.
1: Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, again, I've taken one course at UFT on Indigenous politics, me being a political science uh, student. But since since I've taken this course, it's been a little while. So I want to ask you, what what is in the zeitgeist? Where are people talking about the discussion about Indigenous Canadians?
6: Well, now now I think people are really um, talking about the residential school, um, the findings of of the grave sites and potential graves. So. These are things that people in our communities knew already. Like there was already things that were hush hush and, and people hid the information. So when that news broke, a lot of people from our communi- Indigenous communities, they, they knew it and they were able to grieve publicly and then be supported by others who didn't know. When, when that happened, it, it really did, um, it really affected me in, in, a, in a really long term way because my late father. Did attend um, residential and day school, but I don't know his stories. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he went through. So that's something that it's like a big gap. So I don't know if, if that, how that affected his life. So I had like this odd moment of like, wow, I, I wish I had been able to listen to him, but I can also listen to others. And also, I think it's in, incredibly important for everyone to learn, definitely to find the best ways to teach about it. Because it is hard and young people need to know about it. Children need to know about it. But there's good ways of teaching that. Because when I was growing up, I learned a lot about World War II and the Holocaust. Nothing was held back. And reading up about resistance. So the Edelweiss pirates and and those groups that were resisting the Nazis. So there's all this resistance and resilience as well. So when you you hear um, an Indigenous person speaking their own language... That's resilience right there, because they're continuing their language and their culture.
1: Now, for people who only speak one language, it might be difficult to imagine what is what is in a language and why is it important. It's just a way to communicate. Wouldn't you just be saying the same things? So, in inside that language, why is it? How is it helpful to preserve a culture just by speaking a language?
6: Oh, because that's it's tied to everything. The worldview. It's tied to the land. It's tied to. Uh, the seasons, it's tied to the day, you know, many indigenous folks, they have their own kind of Thanksgiving address um, or prayer they do in the morning. And so th- that's another thing that uh, your listeners, if they aren't if they aren't from Canada and, and they're not familiar with, it's always really good to kind of learn the names of the people in their languages. Mm. And also myself as a as a you know as a radio host too, I try so hard because it is hard it is hard. So I have to keep saying over and over again, and then one day I'll get it.
1: Well, you, you said that you've done this show since 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm new to CIUT. I really appreciate the sort of grassroots essence of this station. Um, so your show, it's not another rock station. It's, you know, there's it's not generic. Um, and I assume that you have a very passionate and – and uh, you know interested audience. So I want to ask what sort of audience interaction goes on between you and in your listeners? Do you ever get notes saying, you know, this is the one show that where I feel like I'm actually being represented?
6: Yeah, there are people who listen every week and there's people who are so grateful to hear their, you know, their their relatives music or maybe their music. We have we have a couple of friends. We love to play Lacey Hill, we love to play Brent Thomas Diabo. So <laughs> those those people they love um you know the twitter we can tweet at them or instagram or when we see them we want we want to have them back on the show and then for for the listeners there's a couple of regular listeners who are who are regular donators. Mm. every campaign we have they'll they'll give a little bit and we, we really appreciate it because it really it gives us that feedback cuz like if you're on the air you can't see anybody who knows who's listening? But then somebody will email and say, that was cool. I've never heard of that artist. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Or even we have local artists just emailing and saying, hey, I put a track on Spotify. Could you give it a spin? And then we do. And it's like, hey, this is our new favorite track. You know, so that's that's always the the best thing. And to... Amplify the voices that don't get the, the play on, on mainstream media.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah. very alternative, I would say. <laughs> That's uh,
6: what I've always loved about about Campus Radio and about CIUT because... Back in the day, I remember the I remember the 90s. Oh my goodness, the programming from like midnight to 6 a.m. was just so much fun.
1: Mm. For somebody tuning into your next episode, what can you tell us about it? And in general, what do you like to have on your show? You have another host as well. You yes, know, Just, just oh, tell, tell us about it.
6: Yeah, Jennifer Sylvester. Yeah, she's um, P- I guess she's a PhD candidate, and she's from Chimneysing, and she's really awesome, and she's she's just a, a fantastic person and a community member, and. I'm really glad to have her on the show as a, you know, as a co-host and a co-producer. And we've had a, a long roster of different co-hosts and, and producers who have, you know, obviously moved on, moved to different territories or gone to different jobs. So we've we've kind of been holding it down since 2018. And we just really love to have music. We love to have um, I guess a little bit of a personal spin as well without, without the TMI, but hmm. uh, we do share a lot of personal experiences because trying to make connections and really trying to relate to each other, I think that's, like I said before, I think that's how we're going to have better relationships and kind of go, all right, we have to start all of us working together instead of like, us and them or whatever it is, you know.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Mondays 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. is Indigenous Waves. That is when you should tune in to hear Jenny Blackbird and her co-host, Jennifer Sylvester. Jenny, thanks very much for coming on Tracks from Abroad.
6: Thank you, I guess.
1: Said, we gonna win, we gonna fight, we gonna do what is right. That was Hip Hop Round Dance by Curtis Clear and the Constellations here on Tracks from Abroad. My name is Jesse McDougal, and today's show was focused entirely on the music of indigenous folks here in Canada. We heard some local artists, we heard some artists suggested also by Jenny Blackbird. You just heard her interview. She is a CIUT DJ and co-host of the show Indigenous Waves uh, Mondays from 7 to 8 p.m. And at the beginning of our show we had a fantastic student interview with olivia she is a master student studying indigenous health at the university of toronto and just like on every show we bring on students to talk about their cultures and their music from wherever they are in the world of course you are listening to tracks from abroad today we focused on indigenous music in canada now for some more music this is breathless by indigenous artist william prince here on tracks from abroad my name is jesse mcdougall we'll see you next week
4: so much to be marveled in this day and age every road has been followed every mistake's been made but there's a lot to be desired and i'll find Myself inside Memories still alive Just behind my eyes Seems the more I go Leaving home Looking for What I need's been buried In my soul Cause I never heard a song quite like others a- not much beats the sound of the pouring rain and there's something in your kiss leaves me so helpless you leave me breathless you leave me Force inside, terrified, plagued with pride, resonating, sounding like my own. Then, piece by piece, so oh, suddenly no subtleties, your beauty can bring me to my knees. Cause I never poured a song, some quite, quite like us Not much beats the sound of the pouring rain And there's something in your kiss Leaves me, Leaves me so ready.